Hi there, I'm Robert Netgen, host of the Information Security Podcast. Today, we are live from the Information Security Summit 2019 event in Cleveland, Ohio, where thought leaders and industry experts come together for three days of intriguing discussion, networking, and learning. Today, we are giving you an inside look at one of the 2019 keynote addresses given by Grant Asplund. He is a global cloud evangelist with Checkpoint Software. He'll be discussing, my CEO told me we have to move our data center to the cloud. So what's the big deal? Coming to you from the Information Security Summit. Gary, thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all very much. I really appreciate you being here. I am not a podium guy. But I, I really want to recognize Gary. I've known him for a long, long time. And the fact that we've known each other so long and he invited me back, I was really amazed. And for all of you that know him, to know that he invited me back, he's really as delusional as you all have thought. <laughs> so with that, I'm going to have you come back up, uh, Gary, because I need you to help. Because we all know Gary's, you know, he's a highly technical guy. And one of the things that I like to do, none of you want a sales pitch, and I'm not going to give you one. But I wanted something that would really illustrate how, frankly, Checkpoint can do extraordinary things with what's arguably just ordinary items. We don't have wait, wait, developers. Wait, wait. Hang on. Ordinary items? We don't have developers. <laughs> not you, Gary. Not you. You're one of our special developers. I and, have and, the idea of ordinary, ordinary item, but and, go ahead. And, and in reward for helping me out. You like red wine? Sure. Okay, come here. So, so I got a bottle of red wine, ordinary item in Gary's house. <laughs> couple of forks. Okay. And a couple of toothpicks. Take it away, buddy. Go. Something extraordinary with those ordinary items. Nope, 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 can't open it. It's against the law. If you could, go ahead if you want to try. You won't be able to. Here, let me show you. Okay, now what am I supposed to do with these? You just hang on and then you can practice. Because it's really, it, it, it really is amazing. And what I always like to, why I like to do this, it's not magic. Okay, it's not magic. It truly is because I know how to do what I'm about to do. And you don't. But that's really what separates us in how we do some extraordinary things with our highest prevention rate in the industry. So you take these forks and you put them together. No, no, they're mine. I brought them from my oh, hotel. Okay. <laughs> then you can go ahead and bend them. <laughs> uh, but then you just, you go like this. And it's, you know, you got to get it just kind of right. There's, it's, it's, it's not just anybody can do it fast and easy. But then, hang on. I got to be able to do it first before I reveal it to anybody. Oh, almost, almost. What it is is you're shifting the fulcrum on this toothpick to the very tip. And I have, to get, I have to cheat a little and take a little off. But what you're going to do is you literally can balance. That was my problem. I didn't go straight down. But you can balance these forks tip to tip. It's amazing. And anybody that is smart like this guy here who's nodding, you know. I have the two forks for you. You know, he knows how it's done. But it's because the weight is past the end of this toothpicks, right, that, that the fulcrum gets shifted so you can do this. And I'm going to try here, and I hope I don't embarrass myself by not getting there. 
but doggone it, you might have to. I don't want to see. This is the surefire way to get me off the stage faster, Gary. I won't well, take as much time. You now have thirty hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll get to this. That's okay. But so the whole point of this is Gary's now got a bottle of wine. He's going to be able to drink and laugh about how he struggled on stage to get this thing to go. And I got two forks and two toothpicks. Yeah, but I need those. I need those back. So I'll do this later. That's I, I can't take any more time to do it. But you're welcome to take the wine. So pretty extraordinary, huh? Um, yeah. Ten bucks a ticket. <laughs> but check it, because he knows how to open it. See? So we're going to talk about cloud. And, you know, I will honestly sometimes start this off with a little sarcasm. But I know they had fruit earlier, so I'm not going to say, have you heard of the cloud? Uh, but what I do find fascinating is how many of you have been in Starbucks and seen Starbucks offers a cloud macchiato? That's a fact. There's a, a mattress chain out in the Pacific Northwest. Their commercials on Sunday morning when they're cheap. Come on in and get your own private cloud. <laughs> it's kooky. But what it speaks to is how it's really seeped into our vernacular. We're all hearing about it all the time. I think it's funny. When I had Arco and BP as my customers at Apple, they had their own cloud. It was called a mainframe, <laughs> right? So, so what was old is new again. It really is just somebody else's computer. I know you all understand that. So the thing about the cloud, and in particular what's going on now with public cloud, is it's different, and we're not taking it seriously enough. Let me see if I can illustrate it with pictures. How many of you, raise your hand, have one of these right now in your backyard that powers everything in your home? 24-7, 365. Of course not. We plug in. Because it's the model that prevails. You know, I, I had the pleasure. So I was with Checkpoint, the first evangelist they had in 1998, believe it or not. There was 400 employees, 140 million in revenue. It was through an acquisition. Fast forward, I joined a company called Dome 9, and three months later, Checkpoint acquired us, and so like it was deja vu all over again. <laughs> and literally, 20 years later, I'm back, but it's exciting to be back. I had the pleasure of speaking at an IDC conference the first week after the announcement of the acquisition last year. It was in Tremblant, outside of Montreal. And I really, I bring it up because I really agreed with what the analyst said. He said, everyone, everyone, how you doing, buddy? Gonna be, everyone is going to be moving to the cloud. It's just going to take 40 or 50 years. <laughs> and that's true. But there's a lot of confusion about the cloud. There's many times I'll say, hey, how many of you are using cloud today? And then I'll say, how many of you have a Facebook or LinkedIn account? everybody and you're all using the cloud right but but there's a lot of confusion because there's all these different variations on using it but I'm talking about you using public cloud for your data center just to be clear 
Because, you know, for the last 10 or 20 or however many years, you've been the captain of your own ship. Right? You change the oil, you maintain it, you go out on your own excursions. This is your boat, this is your life, this is your on-premise data center. CEO says, hey, we're gonna move to use the public cloud, which means you're gonna be renting a slightly larger boat. <laughs> now listen, some of you might be going, ah, oh, that's not accurate, but let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I will guarantee you in your own boat, you could never scale to 5,000 rooms like that. In this boat, you can. Even if you start out with just a couple of accounts, that's the beauty, that's the attraction of the cloud. That elastic, dynamic nature. And it can happen. But with it, in the same way we saw this happen with virtualization, it while we all run to it as if it's like this, woo, saving money, oh, it's gonna be awesome. There's new problems. There's new tools that are needed because there's new holes we can't see. Anybody remember vMotion? Enter VM communications? And you are like, what happened? What do you, what? Right? Or the sprawl? Now you think sprawl was a problem when that virtualized data center was yours? <laughs> Imagine what it's like when I can get to it from anywhere. From any computer, any time of the day, anywhere, if I got the right credentials. It's a different world. And in this environment, I'm telling you, just because you can float that one-man sailboat does not mean you're able to go out and, and really handle and know all the knobs and buttons and switches, many which could be one strike and you are out. Capital One. Okay? Gotta protect you from you. That's the biggest problem. Because you're in this environment where you can. And ladies and gentlemen, how many times have we seen just because you can does not mean you should, right? And you doesn't mean you should if you don't know what you're doing. And that's what's happening here. So, hi everyone. My name's Grant Asplund. And we're gonna talk about what it means to move your data center to the public cloud. And what would it happen if this actually was real world, which I believe is happening all the time, right now. Now, do you guys see this in the Wall Street Journal? It was last week? Of course you didn't. Because it wasn't in the Wall Street Journal. It was from Joseph Chamberlain a long time ago. I like this because of the juxtaposition of intrigue, interest, and like stressed out anxiety. Because that's what the cloud is introducing to every IT department in the world. As they're eager to go, it's also big time nail biter. And so I, 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 point, I love this. He was actually known for voting, and I think in this 
political climate with orange hair and all, regardless of what side you're on, you know. I love this guy because this guy voted what his constituents want, regardless if you were right or you were left or you were extreme or you were moderate. And that was really what he became known for, but the quote was awesome. Okay, this, you know, my grandma, bless her heart, in the back of her car, she had one of those little dogs, right, with the spring neck, you know what I'm talking about? And every time she'd go over a bump or a speed bump, it'd do this. Okay, there's a few slides in here where you'll have that cue, okay? And that'll, I'll go over the speed bump with something that you all will say, oh yeah, 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 and you'll know this. So this, so we all know, is infrastructure as a service. Can't see it, can't touch it, can't feel the air from the fans, don't see the lights blinking, get to it from anywhere, and critically depend on whatever you put up in it. So I always remind people, let's change the acronym and make it more accurate. <laughs> okay? Because this is really what it is. And, you know, I got to tell you the other thing. I don't know. Oh, it's in my pocket. I, this is a computer, ladies and gentlemen. The first Macintosh computer that Weyerhaeuser and Alaska Airlines and a handful of other companies issued POs for, they gave them to me, I'm proud to say. 512K of RAM, no fixed disk, $2,000. Yeah, baby. 64 gigabytes and it's several years old. Always connected, always on. Computer. The words we use matter. A lot of times what I'll say is, hey, I saw a nice looking woman when I walked in. Hey, I saw a nice looking girl when I walked in. Hey, I saw a nice looking lady when I walked in. Hey, I saw a nice looking female when I walked in. Hey, I saw a nice looking gal when I walked in all kind of conjure up different kind of images. The words we use matter. Computer, just remember that. Okay, so always susceptible because the cloud is so porous anywhere all the time. Now, this is another cue. You've all heard about this, right? I mean, if you haven't, you're like, in, you're supposed to be in the cosmetic convention that's upstairs because, you know, this has been talked about so much, right? Shared responsibility, shared responsibility. I bifurcated in a very simple way. In and of. That's it. They, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, of. You, in. Period. Now, if you listen to the pundits, we pay the Gartner tax, you know, they, t they say, change your vernacular. Stop asking, is the cloud secure? Is the cloud safe? Is it, is it secure? And start asking, am I using it securely? And this is where I always want to stress out, ladies and gentlemen, if there's one word that sums up the threat in the cloud, it's nuance, it's subtleties. And we're all so busy, we're not understanding it enough and it gets us. And it's happening over and over. Now, here's proof. 
This stat's been like everywhere. Now, I don't know where you grew up. I'm just this web foot guy from the Pacific Northwest. But when I see something that says at least, I don't think it's going to be less. Well, you know what? I could show you a report from Neil McDonald in January of this year where it said, and of course I said, we pay the Gartner tax, that's why we got it, at least 99% of all cloud failures are gonna be your fault. Now you may be saying, ah bull, Gartner's all washed up, I like IDC, they're half wrong. Okay, still half the room. We got a big problem. We got a big problem. Why? It's because this, whoop, this world is always connected and everything is becoming interconnected. You know, Itzik was doing a great presentation, my colleague on IoT, and he was talking about this guy is bragging about his blood testing vacuum sealed network of transporting tubes all over with blood samples. Is it secure? Sure, yeah, oh yeah, show me. Takes him down to the dungeon, you know, no windows, no sensors, no electricity, I think. He goes down, you know, carrying his candle, <laughs> goes down into the cave, and there is a, what was it, a Windows XP machine running this network, but it's not connected to the network. It's a look, you go, what? What's that? You gotta see a little generator powering, because we got no power down here. Powering that little, what's that? Oh, it's, a, it's just a little router I want to get out to the internet. But nobody can come in. It's not connected. Sorry, can't protect against stupid. So here's the bottom line in an oversimplified graphic, okay? We're letting loose the untrained. And a super oversimplified example is developers. And I, a little plug for myself, I started a podcast a few months ago called Talking Cloud, Apple, Google, it's on Podbean. I talk to experts because I'm not one. I'm a Gilligan, they're the professors. And I, and I listen to them. And what I hear over and over is that we're jumping in before we're really understanding it. And that's our threat. Because we let our developers go and they walk in, say, oh, okay, so we're using uh, Amazon now instead of Atlanta. Okay, well, I'll just go ahead and pop open this port because I got some work to do later. Whoops. And now the window is open to the world and it's a compromise that you just have no clue. And this traditional kind of east-west, north-south kind of gateway architecture, it breaks down. We have to start thinking about ways to put smaller perimeters. You know, Roy, one of the co-founders of Dome 9, has got a great presentation, and it's called The Perimeter is Dead, Long Live the Perimeter. And it's because the, the traditional perimeter is dead because now it's getting down around every little function and service and as small as you can make it that absolute zero trust model is gonna be the one that ultimately prevails. And we can't keep up. This was 2006, Amazon, database, storage, EC2, off you go. 
This is nine months ago. Can't keep up. And these are deep and wide. And we're expecting our people to go use them. And they say, hey, Gary, you ever use a load balancer? Oh, yeah, I've been using F5s for five years. Oh, well, we're, now you're going to use the ZLB. Okay. And because it's called a load balancer, it's the same. And we're not reading. Anybody? There's a few people. Anybody remember RTFM? I saw, I, I, yeah, yeah, I always say fine. I, I saw a meme the other day that says that if your program requires documentation, you're a shitty programmer. Excuse me, but that's what it said. Isn't that crazy? This has happened, and here's when it happened, 2007. That's when it happened. You guys remember it? I'll, I'll, I'll try to rein, uh, reenact it for you real fast. It was the weekend I bought that first iPhone, and I took it home. It's like, holy, wow! This, I'm, forget my Blackberry, man. Check this. <laughs> Mail. Oh, they got pictures. I got Outlook. Well, sure, I know my email address. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Finish. Inbox. Every IT department on earth, their hair burst into flames. <laughs> BYOD, bring your own disaster was born. Monday, the security guy goes into the office. God damn it, he's going to get this. He walks in. First thing he does, he goes in that, that CEO's office, says, we got a problem. CEO whips around. Before he even gets to say a word, says, man, I got to tell you, I could kiss you right now. I don't know what you did, but you know, I found myself in Cleveland and I had to prep for my board meeting and I didn't have my email, my laptop, nothing. Went and got this new iPhone. I got all my email, everything. Thank you. I could even open my spreadsheet and look at them. That was awesome. And the security guy walks out. Oh, shit, what am I going to do now? That's the world, man. That's where we're at. We're too busy, okay? But we got used to undo, undo, undo. You know, there's over 200 things in Amazon alone you can't undo. One strike, you're out. Oh, I'm busy, gotta go. Delete database, yes. Oh, <laughs> It happens because that's our lives today. We cannot keep up with technology. We can't expect our people to. It's outstripping us. And this, you probably recognize him. This is Jeremy, he's on your staff. You guys know this guy? He came in this morning. He's one of our security practitioners. He's really great. We've had him on board for three months. He's still with us. <laughs> it's now lunchtime. Jeremy's getting a little hungry. Getting another alert, another notification, another alarm. Oh my God, is it time to go home yet? It's like, I can't take this anymore. Okay, Jeremy, you can go home. See you later, buddy. You're on your way home. But wait, you're not done yet. There's no way I'm letting you get away. You got that computer in your pocket. I can send you those alerts there. This is Jeremy. This is why we have such a problem with people in this space. Big issue. And we don't have depth. Real shallow knowledge. It's not the same as it used to be because you don't have to, but it has consequences when you don't understand 
an IP address, a subnet mask. Uh, you know, some of these things that we just kind of go, I wear one on Halloween. It, it's a different mask. Okay, quick story about scalability. Personal story, my grandfather with his father homesteaded to Ojai Valley near Tacoma, Washington. As it was often the case, as I'm sure many of you know, you, know, you don't have a lot of money. And what you have is you have stuff. And you have stuff that your neighbor wants and your neighbor has stuff that you want and so you trade stuff. And as often was the case in those days, it was very easy to start a business. You get a rooster and a hen and you are in business because they make stuff people want, eggs. And that was my grandfather. And at one point he actually was bringing in 2,000 eggs a day, wire baskets by hand. It was, I mean, unbelievable. And it was almost, I mean, I, can, I went to the farm every year. It was Christmas was his birthday, always there. And every time we went there, grandma and grandpa downstairs in their rockers, big, you know, stack of these corrugated things to hold eggs. The baskets on either their left or right, their sandpaper blocks, almost rhythmic. Cleaning off the dirt, the feces, the mud holding it up to the light, looking for blood spots, for crap. This is their GDPR, okay? This is their, their HIPAA, this is their compliance. Because nobody would buy their eggs if they were cracked or had blood spots or had poop all over them, right? But they also got hit with scalability. And they couldn't keep up with these big factories and farms and they ultimately went out of business. And this is what's happening to us. We're just not able to keep up with as many eggs that are actually coming down the lane. And this is one of the reasons why. With as many people as you know are moving to the cloud, how many would you expect have people certified? You'd think half, less than half. This is scary. Remember the first stat, at least 95%. So what's happening, I believe, and I'll admit, this is somewhat anecdotal, but we're, we're just kind of approaching it too lackadaisical. We're not going in saying, hey, this is different. This is new. Yeah, you may be able to read the manuals like Evelyn Woods, but you still need to read the manuals. Because you're going to see some little gotchas and some things that are different that you need to understand. And it's really, really important. Now, a lot of, you know, what's at risk as you move into the public cloud is yourself, right? Because everything's API-based and it's real simple to make boo-boos. But we also wonder how dangerous is it in the cloud. So what we did is we stood up a cloud environment with nothing in it. Just has a login. And stood up a honeypot in front of it with nothing in it. Did I say that? In the first 15 minutes, almost 150 various pokes and scans and, and attempts to get in to nothing in a week, almost four million. Why? Because you don't have to go to my office, 
You don't have to get past my receptionist. You don't have to get into my card key protected data center. That's why. And as often is the case, I know Keith lets his developers work from home on the Friday and in fact, they live a long way away, so they get up in the morning anyway, so they all meet at the Starbucks at 5.30. So I just have to park out in front with the equipment in my trunk, same name as the Wi-Fi in the restaurant with a louder signal, and I just need one. That's why. It's just so much easier. Now, I mentioned earlier, you cannot protect against stupid. Ladies and gentlemen, let me give you one of the best examples of stupid I know. You know MongoDB, I'm sure some of you, I imagine, are familiar with MongoDB. Used by a lot of companies, okay? There's a website called Shodan. Anybody? Okay. Having the wonderful pleasure to speak with a very bright 12-year officer in the 8200, and then uh, now she was at Dome 9 and now Checkpoint. Her name's Shira Shambon. She's a research wizard. She's really, she's a great lady, but really sharp. And I got to build a presentation with her, and some of the work we did, we found, uh, we were kind of running down this vein, and I grabbed the slides, because I thought it was like, wow, man, this is unbelievable. So this is how many occurrences we found out on the web in the wild, a little over 60,000. How many do you think either had no or admin-based passwords? What happened? Here we go. 23,000 had either default or no password. That's stupid. I mean, I, 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 I'm just like, every time, I, I've delivered this presentation so many times, it still blows me away. It's like, I can't believe so many. What's at risk? We're in the world of software-defined everything, ladies and gentlemen. Software-defined everything. So the old days when we used to have this kind of janitor key ring approach, right? Where, oh, you're on my team? Yeah, well, here, you get it all. And you got to log in for every console in the data center access to every account that needs access. You got it, because you're part of that group. And it's easier. But it's, it's, it's really dangerous when you combine it without proper education. Because when you allow someone the access to this environment where it's all software defined, there are, there are things that can go really bad. And you just, what I, what I tell people all the time, go to Amazon, go to Google, go to Microsoft, and just look for CBT. You would be amazed how much free training on these environments you can get. And you need to understand, you know, you've got one over here that says it's S3, and you've got another one over here that says it's a blob. But it's storage. So you've got to kind of decipher through all those differences. This is why oftentimes tools from third parties really become very beneficial because each of the cloud providers are really kind of focused on them, as you would expect. 
So, you know, I bring this up and just really remind of what I mentioned earlier. This is the softest, easiest, most simple place to poke. That's why it's always getting poked. Moreover, we're rushing into it so quickly, we're not understanding the nuances, and it's biting us over and over and over. And we, we've, we've seen it. Now, I have to tell a little personal story again. When I was a kid, I actually watched this guy's dad, and him, but his dad. And I played a lot of baseball. And I used to think I was a pretty good hitter. You know, I could, pretty good long ball hitter. But I don't know, I guess I was in my early 30s. I got a disease. Some of you may have heard of it. It's fairly common, especially in America. It's called furniture disease. That's where your chest falls into your drawers. Um, so I had to change sports. And I decided, hey, I used to be able to hit the hell out of the ball. I'm going to pick up golf. Because then I'll be able to hit the hell out of that little ball. Now, how many know where I'm going on this one? Because here it is, baby. Mulligan! <laughs> and you re-tee that ball. It's folly to think you can apply one to the other, but they're so similar, right? It's just a ball, swinging this thing, hit it. Come on. This is, I think, really what a lot of people are doing when they look at the cloud. And, and the other thing that I want to remind you with this slide is the, the lure of lift and shift. Okay? Because if there is a lie in the IT world being propagated by the big cloud providers, it's, oh, you've already virtualized? Just shift it up to the cloud and start paying me. Because, <laughs> baby, that's what it turns into, man. And if you don't go in with any thought, where's your data? How are you going to manage your data? How are you going to manage who gets in and gets to mess with this software to find everything Lego box? And how are you going to get it back? How are you going to know if somebody's created a new floor on your cruise ship and have 10 bedrooms they're renting out? You need different tools to be able to see these things. It introduces new problems. And lift and shift is a folly because what it does is it handcuffs you and keeps you from being able to really take advantage of some of the, uh, I would say, most attractive attributes of the cloud. The elasticity, things like measuring intent before you deploy it with formation templates, for example. So it's really a big mistake, and you want to take advantage of these tools. I, I mean, I always tell people, it's, it's like Minority Report. Remember that movie, right, where the ball comes down and you go, oh, you're going to be killing somebody. I'm arresting you now, <laughs> right? You can, you can build these policies and then say, how's this going to work before I put it out in the real world and find out how it works or doesn't work? It's really, really powerful. So, because I know I care about you, 
your alcohol and your gambling, I'm watching my clock, okay? I'm just telling you right now. There was a time, now I'm showing it again, used to be a forehead, now it's more head on my way to all head, right? Uh, Or a five head, I don't know. Long, long time ago, the only way I could get a compound document was to go to somebody with a Linotronic or right big printing price, right? I know this is dating me big time. But it changed the world. And my point is, technology as it evolved opened up what were essentially sealed off kind of careers, right? I am uh, a printer. I don't know how, I can't print and I can't afford a you know, $2 million Mergenthaler, so I'm not a printer. But then all of a sudden, we're all printers. And we've all been to the restaurants that we throw up in our mouths, right, when we look at the menu, because you can tell somebody created it with every friggin' font and style <laughs> and size, and it's like, God, I can't see the prices on this, you know? And those are examples of people that shouldn't be doing it just because you can. Well, we've seen this repeat itself, right? In video, it's not music. My, my son's the next Eminem, just ask him. He's got all the stuff downstairs, you know, but he can do it all downstairs and he can publish online and, you know, it's a different world. And now, with containers, with the world that is at our fingertips, it truly is a Lincoln log a Lego box that anybody can go, and that also is the problem. I just had my last podcast was with this awesome lady. Her last name is Jank. I always have to kind of wait and remember because I don't want to say her, her name right or name wrong, but she's a DevSecOps expert, app security expert. And it was really, it was very cool listening to her and hearing about the common mistakes the developers make that they're accustomed to doing in a fixed data center, like burying their password in their code. (laughs) You know, they do it all the time, right? They do the same thing without proper education. You got problems, baby. But what it does allow us to do is it allows us to shift our thinking from this previously very linear thought, because security always is at the end, okay, test it, oh shoot, now what do we do? Well, we could just ship it. Yeah, well, how many? Yeah, okay, let's just ship it. Right, and so you make the decision to ship out some piece of poor code uh, (laughs) because you don't want to go to the boss and say, we gotta push it back a month, right? Whereas when you change your approach and use that true DevSecOps mentality, you're, you're, you're literally interrogating and checking for security in every single step of the process. All the way through commit, QA, every time, so that you can correct faster, right? Instead of left, oh, that's right, right, left, you know, with these huge swings, the idea is to correct quickly. Right? Fail fast, find it, fix it. Boom, 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 boom. Instead of letting yourself run off the rails. Oh shit. (laughs) You know, walking down a hallway like a drunk. That's not what you wanna do. 
there's lots of things that are out there to be concerned about, but there's lots of things that really, really should attract you to using the cloud if you're not. And in fact, there's a great article where the guy, you know, I loved it because he says, you know, all this talk about up to 300 billion by 2022. Do you know that today at 187 billion, it's less than 5% of the total IT spend. And so his message, and I agree, is we gotta rattle your cages to get out there and start using the cloud and take advantage of the unshackling that it really provides you. The fact that you can get out of this world of building to accommodate and then a little more and pray, right? Kind of high level, can't forget anything. Can't, can't forget anything. Got to secure everything from containers, Kubernetes, all of the microservices, everything. And the other thing you've got to remember is that you can't abandon any of the disciplines that you've applied heretofore. So that's the additive part because here it comes. Anybody have a tool that knows how to deal with ephemeral servers? Here, gone. What's your SIM do today when it sees your log with a Lambda function that used five IP addresses in 30 seconds? Let me paraphrase it for you. That's what your SIM does. Because it has no idea. Because this is the way we've been building our security for how many years? IP address, MAC address, all these things that don't mean much. Okay? New tools are needed for this environment. If you take advantage of the environment, if you learn before you leap, if you get it laid out before you go and set yourself up, you can do some really cool stuff. Automation's out there. There's one thing I will give you a little plug, cloud bots. Check it out, cloud bots. If you're in a cloud environment, Azure, AWS, cloud bots, Google's coming soon. Cloud bots is an open source project that uses functions, Lambda functions, because all of these tools that Checkpoint has that are absolutely the best use the APIs exposed by these vendors. I don't want to sound crude, but I always say, we don't touch your junk, okay? I mean, if it will alert you and say, whoa, you got some problems there. You better go fix it, but we won't actually fix it because there's no agent to do that but we started CloudBots so you can actually build these bots so that at first you say, hey, tell me if you see that. Tell me if you see that. After your integrity's at a level where you're confident, you say, okay, fix it for me now when you see that. And it really does offer the promise of remediation and automating that process. You have to look for solutions, companies that have really made the commitment and this is something that I can't stress enough. You know, we really, it's the center of everything we do. You'll hear about it tomorrow. If you come, please come to the keynote. 
Eddie Doyle, he's probably known by many of you, I'm sure. He's a terrific presenter. I mean, come on, he's got an accent for God's sakes. Uh, you know, he, he, he's really great. You want to look for native tools, look for ways to exploit native capabilities. That's the whole prize of the cloud. It's a time to rethink. Ladies and gentlemen, there's something happening that's transformative right now. And all of you at some point in your life learned that you know, combining different things can end up with different things, right? Remember yellow and blue? Wow, made green, right? We, we learned those things. Well, there's three things that are converging right now. And they're things we've known about for a long time. But it's the quantities. It's bandwidth, compute, and connectivity. Because it's unlike we've ever experienced. And we're getting to a time where now on my handheld computer I can do a query that may actually have to comb through 10 petabytes of data. But I'll get the answer so fast I won't know it. That's where we're going. And it's really an exciting time. And it is that vision that's uh, really enabled Checkpoint to think about bifurcating security. Think about separating the delivery from the actual service. So that if it's something that I have to do real time, it's very likely going to have a little footprint there. But if it's something that needs to look at 100 megabytes or 10 petabytes, it can do that. And with the bandwidth we're talking about that's here and right around the corner, you're not going to know. And it's really going to allow some exciting, transformative things in the way we compute today. So I encourage you to really think hard about how that's going to change your environment. Think about moving to the cloud. It really is a great place for you to make a lot of exciting advancements in your IT infrastructure. So look at I think I'm early. Hell yeah, baby. I want to thank you all very much. I hope you'll check out my podcast. It's called Talking Cloud. Again, Apple, Google, on Podbean. I want to thank you all very, very much. You are an awesome audience, and I really appreciate you. So thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Information Security Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, you can listen to more from the Information Security Summit 2019, featuring keynotes and behind-the-scenes interviews with some of the summit's speakers by subscribing to the Information Security Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app, or go to informationsecuritysummit.org. We'd like to give special thanks to our sponsors, ASMGI and Bright Skies. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay secure.